Chapter Ten of Curly by Roger Pocock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Ten: Storm Gathering. It's a whole lot interesting to see how different sorts of people put up a fight. Cat, she spits and proceeds with claws. Dog, he says no remarks but opens up with teeth. Horse, he's mighty swift to paw. Bull he hooks bear he hugs affectionate while he eats your face frenchman he pokes with a sword german he slashes spaniard he throws his knife nigger he barbers around with a razor and all of us have the same feelings to express in some heartfelt sudden way if you're looking for trouble with mr cowboy you want to tame yourself and get pretty near absent before he shoots but at present my mind is set on Britishers, which is a complicated tribe, and they sure fight most areas. When Mr. Britisher is merely feeling good and wants to loose out his joy with a little wholesome scrap, he naturally hates to kill his man first lick. That would spoil future sport. So if he's Irish, he turns himself loose with the club or if he's scotch or english he feels for the other man with a hard paw that relieves him and does no harm but sometimes he feels real warlike there's nobody special he wants to kill his small home tribe has nothing to spare for burial and yet he must have war that's why his government keeps proper hunting preserves well stocked with assorted barbarians overseas some of these savages are sure to be wanting a fight so mr britisher obliges and comes along hot with rifles and maxim guns savages are plenty so that if a few get spoiled they'll never be missed it's good for them says mr britisher and it saves the crockery from being smashed at home so you see how mr britisher may have his peaceful scrapping with another boy or go play with his savages when they want a licking but he's serious none just laughs and shakes hands afterwards but what does he do when he feels real awful and dangerous civilized folk like us americans feeling as bad as that turn loose the guns and wipe each other out to a finish other people may prefer swords or battering rams or a tilt with locomotive engines or cannon loaded with buffalo horns or dynamite at ten paces but all that would feel too tame for mr britisher no he puts on his war paint black suit and top hat most hideous calls on his lawyer in a frantic passion and goes to law now look see how these two families the the Chesneys and the Ryans went to law. They came of the best fighting stock on earth. They were whole-blooded Irish, but they went to law. The Duchesnes turned the Ryans out of their home and country, which was bad. Then the Ryans did worse, lay low and waited bitter years, gathered their strength, and struck from behind. The cowards! Old Ryan got his enemy corrupted with drink and gambling stole all his cattle left him helpless to fight then seized the home to try and turn a dying lady into the desert 
he kept within the law but there was not an honest card in his whole game it was foul play and i for one don't blame poor jim for wantin no more law in the fight with ryan and yet i reckon that after the first fifty miles of his trail that day jim's main thoughts were about the dinner he didn't have and by sundown he quit carin who was dead and who was ruined as he racked on with aching bones and a played horse it was nigh dark when he raised the tough nut mine at grave city against the red of dusk around him lay the rolling yellow swell of the hot grass clumps of scorched cactus blistered hills of rock before him the mine heads and the roofs with sparkling streaks of blue electric lamps he jockeyed his worn horse past the jim crow mine and the house where my cousins lived in mrs jameson then on through scattered suburbs till swinging round the corner into the main street he rolled at a canter for the stable yard abreast of the sepulchre saloon he heard his name called and reined up sharp to speak with the small stable boy from ryan's livery who came limping out to meet him through the dust say kid he leaned over in the saddle well nigh falling where shall i find the duke the little one-eyed cripple jerked his thumb back at the sepulchre saloon the duke's in thar he answered jim rolled from the saddle dropped his rein to the ground quit his horse brushed past the cripple and went on without a word he was so stiff he could hardly walk so dead weary that he reeled against the swing doors trying to get them open the cripple helped him and he staggered in the place was crowded but the clash of his spurs along the floor made several punchers turn round lazy asking him to drink because he belonged to their tribe two of the cowboys grabbed him but he broke away and went home beyond the bar on the right were the gambling tables each with its crowd of players and at the third jim saw louisiana on a high seat watching for low-lived joe his partner who dealt the game opposite them he found his father then pushed his way through the crowd to balshannon's side the ivory chips were piled breast high in front of him for play had been high and the duke had had a run of luck the boy watched his father's face flushed high with excitement his feverish eyes his twitching lips and restless fingers at play with the round ivory counters which stood for five thousand dollars won since supper time opposite he looked up at louisiana on the high seat all bald-faced shirt and diamonds guarding his stacks of gold coin with a revolver low-lived joe faced up a card on the deck and passed some chips to balshannon the rest of the players had quit to watch the big game through father i want you says he well jim says balshannon what's the trouble he never looked up but the boy was shaking all over father come i want you the duke staked then rolled a cigarette don't bother me jim says he you'll spoil the run we can't do anything boy for we've lost those cattle ryan has seized the ranch the sheriff's there come out balshannon quivered but joe shoved him a pile of blue chips so santa cruz is gone balshannon drawled and doubled his stake 
Well, how's your mother? Dead. Balshannon went gray. The cigarette dropped from his fingers. Dead, he muttered. Dead. Then he looked up with a sort of queer smile. Anything else? he asked quite cheerfully. Say, Duke, said Louisiana, I'd hate to see you struck from not watching your game. Thanks, Pete. Balshannon staked out the whole of his winnings, then picked up the cigarette, struck a match, and lighted it slowly. Come home, the boy was whispering. Come home! Jim saw the tears rolling down his father's face and splashing on the chips. What's the use, my boy? he said very softly. Would that bring your mother back? Come home! Come home! I'm winning back our home. Then low-lived Joe drew a card, and as the boy went staggering away, a great yell went up. Balshannon was winning back his home. Jim says he felt sick when he quit his father, cold down the back, and the floor was all aslant and spinning round. Then everything went black, and he dropped. When he woke up, he felt much better. Lying flat on the floor with iced water, trickling over his face that little one-eyed cripple was feeding brandy to him here's luck he gulped that's all right where's my hat come out says little crook you need fresh air jim got up and wriggled loose because he hated being pawed then led the way out past the three fiddlers and the wheezing old harmonium to the door outside there was clear blue moonlight where's my horse says he crook was lighting a cigarette your hoss says he is in the stable he's unsaddled rubbed down watered and fed before now i reckon you want to be watered and fed yourself no kid i'm not feeling proud enough for that come on then says crook and watch me eat i'm just a little wolf inside and if i can't feed i'll howl they went to the pie foundry round the corner, and when Jim saw Crook eat, he surely got ravenous. They both fed tree and severe, then strayed back heavy to the street in front of the sepulchre saloon. Sit on your tail, says Crook, and I'll feed you a cigarette. So they sat down on the sidewalk, and Jim yawned two yards and a quarter at one stretch. A cantalate says crook that you're going to be riding tonight so i had your saddles thrown on my buckskin mare i'll be riding my bed on the sleep trail riding a hoss i reckon crook bent forward pulling up his boot legs by the tags and me too and the duke our hosses are waiting for us at the back door of this saloon you understand i don't says jim do you know, youngster, that only this morning I buried my mother, then I rode a hundred miles, and if Arizona freezes over tonight, we'll go skating for all I care. Say, if the Duke gets shot up tonight, will you be a lord? Jim laughed, sort of patronizing, because he liked the youngster's cheek. My father isn't pining for any such thing tonight. But suppose he went dead. Would you be a lord? I'd be Jim DeChesney, riding for whatever wages I'm worth. A lord? What's the use of that? 
but it must be fine it may be good enough for my father but he's irish and he doesn't know any better i'm an american but still you be your lord would my lordship keep my pony from stumbling in front of a stampede of cattle would it save my scalp from apaches or help my little calves when the mountain lions want meat does my blood protect me from rattlesnakes or ryans or skunks but there's the big land grant your people owns over in ireland it's tied up with the entail whatever that means and there's no money in it anyway my tail in the old country doesn't save me from being galled in the saddle here and i'm awfully tired same here sir i'm weary some myself your gun is loaded jim pawed his revolver yes take some more said crook and passed over a handful of cartridges to fill jim's belt jim saw that the cripple was armed why do you talk says he about horses waiting for us and the need of guns and father getting killed what's the trouble my lad the trouble is that ryan has hired that gambling outfit to skin the duke tonight there's men standing round to see he don't leave that house alive now look along the street here to the left across at the mortuary hotel you see old ryan settin' there i do he's waitin' for his son the millionaire young michael he's due with his private car at ten o'clock if michael comes if he comes i say his father reckons to bring him over to call on your father here at the sepulchre that's why the duke is being skinned and that's why ryan's men are watching to see he don't escape alive but what does ryan want he's got our breeding cattle he's taken holy cross my mother's gone we've nothing left to take you have your lives you and the duke ryan and his outfit allow they'll wipe you out when michael comes is that all jim laughed they're thoughtful and painstaking anyway by the way i don't know that my father and i have been shrieking for help as yet if you were the kind of people to make a big song when you're hurt i reckon that we all would just leave you squeal and who is we all you've acted like a white man tonight looking after my poor roan and me like a little brother but why should you care young chap i've never seen you before in my life i don't even know your name my name is crook i works at the stable but why should you interfere you may get hurt i wouldn't like that youngster well partner crook shuffled a whole lot nervous i got a message for you from the boys the dukes had nothing but greasers working for him and that's rough on us white men but still he's surely good he's dead straight he don't wear no frills and many a pope puncher broke hungry half dead of thirst has been treated like a son at holy cross we don't amount to much except when you want an enemy or a friend but our tribe is right into this fight a whole heap for them ryans is dirt and if they comes up again you tonight i expect there'll be gunplay first well kid said jim yawning with a big mouth i wish they put it off until tomorrow your eyes is like boiled eggs 
Try a cigarette to keep you awake. Can't we get my father away from this house? Not till the train comes in. What's that got to do with me? Ask no more questions. Wait. You say that Michael Ryan's due at ten. If they lets him come. Suppose he comes. Then nothing can save your father. Nothing on earth. As he spoke, the sharp screech of the engine rang out from behind the curb, and with all its lights aflash, the train rolled in. End of chapter 10